If the uh, if the the picture up above looks familiar, that's because that was uh, part one of our sermon this morning, and uh, tonight we're going to sort of finish our thoughts here in Psalm 107. Uh, hopefully, you were able to be here this morning to uh, get the the gist of uh, what we were talking about again from Psalm 107. But uh, hopefully, uh, as we go on tonight, uh, it'll sort of uh, ring uh, with us here. Uh, you know, when someone is ungrateful, uh, it's not a pretty sight, is it? And uh, you know, it's easier to see in others than it is in ourselves. You know, a, a lot of my uh, uh, um, Bible illustrations that I've gotten through uh, a school came from a preacher who loved the Andy Griffith Show. And so uh, a lot of my notes actually tie back to the Andy Griffith Show. And it, hopefully, you know, you've all seen the show and you remember... Uh, if you're uh, a little bit older, but th- there was this episode called Opie and the Spoiled Kid. And uh, he had a, a new friend in town. His name was Arnold Winkler. And Arnold Winkler had this brand new uh, $70 bicycle that he just loved to ride around town in. And uh, it had just happened to be that uh, as he was riding through town, he was riding on the sidewalk. And uh, that was against the law. And so, uh, of course, Andy and Opie had, or excuse me, Andy and Barney had to stop him and take his bike away from him. And if you remember, Arnold, he was so upset. You know, give me back my bike. I'm going to tell my father. And he just threw this huge tantrum. And uh, eventually his dad comes into the station and says, you know, give my son his bike back. And, uh, you know, Andy basically said, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, we're going to impound it. It's the law. It's the rules. And so, again, Arnold throws, again, another big tantrum in front of everybody there in the police station. And Andy sort of, you know, got the, the idea that this boy was uh, very unthankful. And so he asked him, you know, would, I, would you rather I put your dad in jail and give you your bike back or, or just give you your bike? And he said, I want my bike. And at that point, the the father finally understood that his son was very unthankful. You know, we we talked a little bit about this morning as well as the the ten lepers. You know, the nine of the ten who did not come back to Jesus to uh, give their thanks. Remember, they're they're the outcasts of society there in Luke chapter 17. They're healed of their leprosy. Uh, But nine of the ten do not come back to Jesus to give thanks. Jesus expected to be thanked, uh, but nine of the ten did not. And we also mentioned this morning that ingratitude is is sinful. Uh, We saw in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 2 that Paul lists it as one of these different uh, uh, deeds of the flesh. And he lists a bunch of things, being brutal, uh, being unholy, uh, being, um, you know, Awful, And he puts ungratitude right in the mix of those as well. You know, Jesus says something interesting in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Uh, he's talking about uh, how God blesses uh, both the, the, the righteous and the unrighteous. And he says in that verse that, uh, that God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil men. You know, he lumps those two in the same category of the ungrateful and evil men. And so therefore... Uh, you know, we want to be thankful people. Well, have you ever noticed in your prayer life the discrepancy maybe between asking God uh, what you want and then also giving him thanks? How much do I ask for versus how much do I give thanks? Now, yes, we are to ask for things, but 
how much do we offer thanks in those prayers? And there's that balance that we need, according to <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You know, in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right? We are to do both. And so the intent of this sermon here tonight is to remind ourselves of the many reasons why we should give thanks. And again, this, this morning, uh, we looked at uh, four of those. We, we looked at God's goodness, God's everlasting mercy, his redemption, and his deliverance. And so we'll jump right in uh, to number five here this evening, and that's God's leadership. Again, hopefully you're within uh, Psalm 107. We'll start here in verse uh, seven, and notice that the psalmist writes, He led them also by a straight way to go into an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. You notice as we begin reading that, the psalmist says that he led them. Have you ever considered giving thanks to God because of his leadership? How many mistakes have we avoided in this life because we listen to God's word? But then we see maybe some of our peers, some of our friends who, who don't read God's word, who don't listen to God's word. And we see the struggles that they go through in this life, the pains, the heartaches. But you've avoided those things because you're allowing God to lead you in this life. Consider Psalm 23. You know, that's probably a, a psalm that we've heard at any funeral that we've ever been to. Uh, the, the most familiar words, you could probably quote the first few verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know, David is writing as the perspective of, of a sheep, right? And God is leading him. He's leading him. You know, there, there are a few things that a sheep won't do. You know, a sheep won't go into deep water or, or wallow in, in filth. Right? Well, why? Because it knows that its wool would weigh them down. If it was wet, its pleasure would soon become its prison. And we'll see here in Psalm 23 that the Lord leads his sheep near gentle flowing streams, right? Still waters. He's not going to put them in a position to drown, nor to be held down if a predator comes and attacks them. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He, he leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. You know, there are some people that are put in leadership positions that probably shouldn't be there. Right? They, they don't offer direction. They, they don't offer motivation. But God leads. Right? He leads. He doesn't say to you, good luck finding heaven. But he, rather he says, this is the way. Right. If you want to arrive safely, you know, follow these instructions. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse 16 and 17. Paul says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Right. All scripture is inspired by God. If you want to know the way God's provided that for us. Why? Because he's a leader. There's a, a hymn that we often sing sometimes, uh, He Leadeth Me, right? You remember this hymn, He Leadeth Me, that first verse, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought. Isn't that a blessed thought, that He leadeth us in this life? David wrote in Psalm 25, verse 5, he said, to, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. And again, here is another example of the psalmist giving us something to be thankful for. 
to thank God for his leadership. Number six, let's mention this in verse nine. We just read this verse as well. But again, the psalmist says, for he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Do we give thanks for God's fulfillment that he fills us with good things? You know, notice again, he satisfies the thirsty, the hungry soul, right? Not the thirsty, hungry flesh, but the thirsty, hungry soul. Every person in this life has purpose. And we know that there are a lot of people who struggle with this, this concept. There are so many living lives that are unfulfilled. They just don't understand their purpose in this life. And uh, they seek those things. They, they seek finding purpose in things like, like money and power and drugs and friendships. But those things don't satisfy. Right? They just leave you wanting more. The psalmist says God satisfies our hunger and our thirsty souls. He gives us a purpose. You know, we recall Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Or we read the, or excuse me, we sung this morning. Uh, uh, so lyrics from Psalm 42, verse one, as the deer pants for the water. Right. So my soul longs for you. Uh, you often hear people say, you know, a soul isn't something that you have, but it's who you are. Right. God says that he can satisfy it. God says that he can fill it with what is good. Well, how does he do that? Well, as our creator, you know, all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when he created man, you know, he, he said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. He, he placed the soul within you. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7 lets us know that. He told the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, he says that I created you for my glory. See, we have purpose in this life, and that's to glorify God. If we don't understand that, if we're just living life uh, void of God and not giving uh, him that glory, we're missing that fulfillment that only he can provide. Again, we need to give thanks for God's fulfillment. Uh, Next one, number seven, give thanks for God's discipline. Read with me verses 10 through 12. It says, there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their hearts with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. You might be thinking, where's the thankfulness in this verse? Being thankful for being disciplined? God's discipline. We need to be thankful for it. Of course, discipline is not pleasant, is it? And we probably don't give thanks for it too often in our prayers. Has anyone ever gone up to their parents after being you know, spanked as a child and said, you know, I really deserve that. Thank you. Or if you were grounded, you know, again, coming out and saying, you know, I deserve that, that punishment. And I just wanted to thank you for that. You know, maybe when we get a little bit older in life and we look back and reflect on those things, we might tell our parents, thank you for the discipline that they provided. But in the moment, no, we we don't thank for that discipline in the moment. Again, if we think back to little uh, Arnold Winkler in in that that show, uh, the Andy Griffith show, uh, Andy knew. uh, And again, uh, you're going to only know this if you remember this episode. But Andy knew that that boy 
uh, the tantrums that he threw in the courtroom and out on the streets, he knew that boy was not getting the discipline that he needed. He even hints at that. With, uh, Andy even hints at that when uh, he brings him into the courtroom and he says, listen, you know, there's a nice woodshed uh, out back if you catch my drift. You know, we say that one is going to be trouble in life later on when we notice a child who maybe is not receiving the discipline at home. You remember Eli in the Old Testament, First and Second Samuel, chapter uh, two and three. Uh, remember, he. This we meet him when Hannah goes and uh, dedicates uh, her young child to him and leaves him at the temple. Well, Eli in First Samuel chapter two and three, he's very old. But we learn about his two sons, and we learn uh, the Bible says that they were worthless sons. Right? These two boys uh, who were acting as priests were taking advantage of the people. Uh, they were stealing from the sacrifices that were being offered. Uh, they were um, <clears throat> treating the women badly there as well. And because of that, because, he took it, because they took advantage of the, of the people there, God told Eli that he was going to judge his house because of his sons. Because, specifically he says in chapter 3 verse 13, because Eli did not rebuke his sons uh, when he had the opportunity Eli could have prevented so much heartache if he, if he had loved his sons, if he had shown them that discipline. God disciplines those whom he loves. Are you thankful for that? If you turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 12, there's a great passage here, Hebrews chapter 12, that, that talks about this very concept. But let's read this together. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 5. We'll notice that the Hebrews writer says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for good, so that we may share his holiness. Verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the perfect fruit of righteousness. You know, the Hebrews writer is letting us know that God's discipline keeps us from harm. His discipline causes us to think twice. It's intended for our good. He says it trains you. Discipline, I know, it's not pleasant, but we should be thankful for it. It's proof that we are his children. You know, I love that verse there that says, if you, if you don't receive a discipline from the Lord, uh, you're illegitimate children, right? But it's those who are his children he disciplines. It humbles us. Right? It changes our mind. And you could, uh, you know, if you really wanted to think about discipline in a couple of ways, you could break it down into a couple of categories. You know, there's sort of instructional discipline, uh, which basically means sort of a training training them up, you know, a a discipline, you give somebody a discipline, you give them a training, you know, you tell them, here's how you do it. But then there's also punitive discipline. Really, that's what's going on here. It means that you're going to pay a price for doing what you're not supposed to do, 
Right? God disciplines in both ways through his word, but also he does providentially as well. And that, that's probably that or that is what the Hebrews writer is talking about is punitive discipline. How does he discipline, you might ask? Well, we don't know, right? Because it's a sort of a providential thing like we talked about this morning. But when he does, it wakes us up. Right? It puts us back on the right track. It keeps us from harm. We're going to think twice before uh, maybe sinning when we know that there's punishment involved. And again, we ask ourselves this evening, thank you for discipline. Well, yes. Thank you, Lord. And that should be something that we should be thankful for. Number eight, let's look at verse 20, back in Psalm 107. In Psalm 107, verse uh, 20, notice uh, the psalmist says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Give thanks because of his word, the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How would you and I know how to live in this life according to God's will if it wasn't for his word? How would we be able to discern good versus evil in this life if it wasn't for his word? Again, go back to what we had just previously talked about and think about some of your friends or your peers or or colleagues who took life into a different direction. Aren't you thankful that you had the word of God to direct you in this life? You know, it can get messy. And maybe you've seen that in other people's lives who, who never followed God's word. And think of the harm that could come to your life if you weren't following his word. You know, the, a lot of people will say, you know, the, the Bible is, it, it's old, it's archaic, it, it's too restrictive. You think of a, a backyard fence for a moment. You know, back, back home uh, or back in our previous home in Michigan, we had a, you know, a fenced-in backyard. You know, and we, and we had that, and one of the reasons why we wanted a home with a fenced-in backyard was because if we ever had a pet, like a dog, it'd be able to keep them safe, right? And, and, uh, and that's what a fence is designed to do. It's to keep things in and keep things out. And, you know, it, if he got out, you know, if someone maybe left the gate open, if he got out, there was a chance that, you know, he could maybe be run over or that he would be lost and we'd never find him again. But that fence was there not to limit his fun, but it was there to keep him safe. And again, that's just like God's commandments. First John chapter 5, verse 3, uh, John says that, uh, that God's commandments are not burdensome. Right? They're not burdensome. They're not meant to be burdensome, but they're there to keep us safe. And again, think of the heartache that some uh, bring upon themselves because they, they've, uh, they've not been led by God's word. You know, we could probably think of a major example today in today's culture. You know, the, 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 the sexualization that we see on the television screens and, uh, and just everywhere. It's plastered against our, uh, to our children and even adults. And, and our children are led to b- believe, you know, that if they're not active in it, th- then there's something wrong with them. But again, God has placed this fence around the concept of sexuality in the form of marriage, right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And so that fence, again, of marriage, he says, is to be held in honor. It's designed to keep us safe. It's designed to keep us safe, God's word. 
Think of all of the, the, the abortion issue that's going on right now. You know, you can look at some statistics and, and notice that although there are some married couples that have committed this, right, who have gone through with uh, abortion, um, and again, it's wrong in any sense, but there are some married couples, but the vast majority are from single women, right, because uh, they weren't ready for it. Right? They, they didn't have that fence protecting them of God's word. Of course, uh, diseases and tr- that are transmitted from uh, outside of marriage. Again, these things. God is not trying to limit our fun. He is not trying to be restrictive or to punish us. But he's put up this fence because he knows better. Right? His word knows better. And it's meant to keep us safe. And again, that is another reason why we need to be thankful for his word right here, as the psalmist said. And let's notice one more tonight before we close is to give thanks for God's power. Look at verses 23 through 30. He writes, those who go down in the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted the waves of the sea. They rose up into the heavens and they went down into the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed when they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. The last point that we want to make about this psalm and why we need to be thankful to God is because of his power. He is powerful. Right? There are times when storms will happen in our lives. They'll enter our lives and we'll feel like, as the psalmist says, that we're surrounded by those waves. Right? We're being lifted up and we're being brought down into the depths and you're reeling, you're staggering, he says, like a drunken man. But then he says that God can cause that storm to be calm in an instant. In an instant. You ever been to one of those theme parks, amusement parks, where they have a wave pool? You know, you hear that loud noise and they start manufacturing these waves and they just keep coming and coming and coming until they finally give it a break and they finally turn the machine off. Well, that, does that stop the waves? Well, it doesn't, does it? Because there's still this residual effect of those waves that takes about five to ten minutes to calm down completely. God can stop those waves in an instant, he says, from, from being terrified to safety. Right? There's nothing residual. God has the power to do that. God has the power to calm the storm when we are at our wit's end. Do you catch that in verse 27? I love that. It says they were at their wit's end. You know, they were at the brink of destruction or desperation. Who can help us? Where do we turn to? What do we do when we have those storms in our lives? Right? Broken, scared, our future is uncertain, at wit's end. He says right there in the next verse, cry out to the Lord. Right? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He can fix what is broken. Right? He is that powerful. This is the same God who caused the blind to see, who caused the, the Red Sea to uh, open up, to, to walk on water. He can still the storms in our lives, quiet the seas, guide us to our havens. Don't fail to give thanks in our lives when we're at our wit's end. Right? Uh, a lot of times you might hear people say, you know, especially at funerals, they'll say, you know, I don't know what I would do if I just didn't have my faith. 
You know, and they were basically saying, I'm at my wit's end right now. If I didn't have my faith, uh, if it wasn't founded in God, I don't know what I would do right now. But there is nothing, nothing too hard, as Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32, verse 27, for God. And he can calm those storms in our lives because he is that powerful. Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving, it's a time of giving thanks and reflecting on those blessings. He has been good to us. He, he truly has. And throughout this psalm that we studied today, Psalm 107, we noticed nine reasons. You know, there, there's probably even more I could have come up with, but I just wanted to stick to that nine. But again, we need to have that balance in our lives to, between the requests that we make in our prayers and also in thanks. And if anyone has reason to be thankful in this life, it's the Christian. It's the Christian. God is good. All the time. And I hope this psalm will better equip all of us uh, to be thankful people, right? When we go to God in prayer, you know, we might say, you know, thank you for our blessings, or we might say, thank you for this food. But now we can say some other things that, that we've learned today, that we can give God thanks for his goodness, his everlasting mercy, his redemption, his deliverance, his leadership, his fulfillment, his discipline, his word, or his power. And we'll just leave it with that that uh, reoccurring theme in this, uh, this psalm. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. Give thanks. This evening as we uh, close this lesson and offer the invitation, uh, if anyone th- this evening is, is um, ready to become a Christian, we would love the opportunity to help and assist you with that. We know the Bible tells us that we need to hear the word of God, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, to repent of our sins and confess him as Lord and also to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And at that point, the Lord will add you to his church, his one church. Or this evening, maybe you need the prayers of this congregation, the encouragement of the congregation, the strength from this congregation. Again, we would love the opportunity to serve you as together we stand and sing this song of encouragement.